This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Get the little ones, sit back, relax, and listen to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Chapter 12 It was a long ride out to the Smart Cell Superstore, and Abigail knew that she was taking a chance with the entire case. If none of Jeremy's belongings were on the shelves at the Smart Cell, she and Timothy might have enough time to check another location, but they wouldn't have much more than that. If they had nothing to show for a full day of looking, it seemed likely that her brother would call off the search altogether. That bothered Abigail, and she wasn't sure why. She disliked the idea of giving up on a case before it was solved, but this wasn't like some of her other adventures, where word had spread and established her reputation in the business. However the search for her brother's lost treasures ended, it wasn't likely to have much of an impact on the agency. So that couldn't be what was worrying Abigail. Nor was it the loss of the princely sum of five dollars a day, a fee that was far greater than Abigail had charged before. She liked making money and keeping busy, but something else would come along, so it probably wasn't that either. As they neared the Smart Cell Superstore's parking lot, Abigail was forced to admit to herself that it was possible, just possible, mind you, that the reason this case had become so important to her, and the reason that she was so desperate not to go home empty-handed, was because of her brother. She was not sure if she wanted to help him, or if she wanted his approval, and in fact she did not know what possibilities she considered more personally appalling. She locked up her bike and breezed through the store's automatic entrance like a girl on a mission, Timothy at her heels, shuffling the list that Jeremy had given her, to which he had added his own notes. The good news was that there was a toy section in the smart cell. The bad news was that it seemed to mostly be aimed at babies. Abigail shook her head in frustration. Jeremy's list included a number of near-complete sets of action figures and vehicles that could now be considered vintage, because toys age much faster than people did. After the comic books, those seemed to be the next most valuable things on the list, and there was nothing like that here. Abigail bit the inside of her lip in frustration, which was something that she did to keep herself from showing when she was upset. It had worked pretty well for most of her life, but it did not fool Timothy who flagged down a store employee who was passing and told the story that Abigail was so very tired of repeating once again. It was a quiet day in the store, and it wasn't long before their tale of woe had attracted a small crowd of employees and casual shoppers, all sharing stories about precious treasures that their own mothers had thrown away when they were close to Jeremy's age, 
and Abigail began to feel like she had lost control of the situation. "'I'm sorry to interrupt,' she said, not sounding very sorry at all. "'But if none of the items we're looking for are here, we need to be moving on.' "'What was it exactly that you were looking for, honey?' a tall woman asked kindly. Abigail looked at Timothy, who had done a little extra research and had lots of notes that he was eager to make use of. "'There are three main groups of action figures and related vehicles and playsets,' Timothy began. "'Action figures?' a dark-haired girl said. "'We don't usually have things like that.' "'One is the Jungle Jack Adventure Squad series,' Timothy said, ignoring her. "'About a dozen figures in the three-and-a-half-inch scale. "'Um, an ATV and a swamp boat.' "'They must come in, though,' an older man said. "'That sounds like the sort of thing that that mothers would clear out all the time.' "'The dino fight team is next on the list. "'Those are about five inches high and tie into the second dino fight television cartoon show.' "'Timothy had worked hard preparing these descriptions, "'and he seemed determined that they should not go to waste.' They do come through, a woman in gray overall said, nodding. I've seen that kind of thing in the back, just not on the floor. You've seen them? Abigail said, trying not to get excited. You mean recently? I I guess not recently, the woman said, shaking her head. But I'm not really sure I would have noticed. The bulk of the remaining figures on the list are Action Slam Power Hour Kung Fu Corps. Timothy said, raising his voice a little to be heard, and remaining oblivious to the fact that no one was listening to him anymore. That set came to the client from an older cousin, as it is quite a bit more vintage than the others, and even more collectible. Do you think Ryan uh, might have things in the back that he hasn't put out yet? The store manager asked no one in particular. He always has stock that he holds back, one woman said. He starts planning for Christmas in January. That's how come we always have enough inventory. Everyone agreed that was true, and that's exactly the sort of thing that Ryan would do. Hold on a minute, Abigail said. Who's Ryan? Ryan is our stock supervisor, the store manager said. I can take you to him if you'd like. That would be very helpful, Abigail said. I didn't even get into the Dinosaur Sam vehicles, Timothy said glumly. Bring the list, Abigail said, almost smiling for the first time in hours. You just might get your chance. The store manager paged Ryan to the doors that led from the store itself to the stock rooms beyond. He appeared a few minutes later, a thin-faced young man in a yellow jacket and a hard hat, which was apparently mandatory because Abigail couldn't imagine that anyone would choose to wear it. Ryan listened to everything that the manager said and nodded sympathetically. Oh, that's a bummer, he said. My mom got rid of all of my old jigsaw puzzles. I must have had, like, 80 of them. Uh, To be fair, they were taking up an entire room in her house, and I had actually moved to Japan at the time. Abigail noticed that Ryan, the stock supervisor, was the first person they had met who could actually see things from their mother's point of view at all, and made a mental note to be nicer to her own mother. She did not say that, however, as it seemed to be off-topic. Instead, she said... Some of the staff was saying that things like that come through here sometimes, but they never see them go out for sale. She tried not to make that sound very suspicious, but didn't entirely succeed. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true, Ryan said, and he didn't seem embarrassed at all. This isn't like a normal store, miss, he said. 
We try and make the things we sell affordable to people who don't have a lot of money. But we're also trying to raise money to support the other charitable projects we work on. The manager nodded. We have an out-of-the-cold program, he said. And we run job retraining programs to, to help people get back on their feet. The money the store makes goes right back into those things. We do what we can to raise as much as we can. But how does not selling things turn into more money for charity? Abigail said, confused. These figures that your brother lost, Ryan asked. Did they have uh, all of their accessories and things? Were they in good shape? Timothy raised his list again and looked like he was ready to start reading, but Abigail put a hand on his arm and he hesitated. Yes, she said simply. He was a very fussy child, in his own fat-headed way. Ryan nodded. The people who come here to shop for toys, he said, most of the time they're looking for a present for a baby. Close to Christmas I try and have a good selection, but they're not looking for vintage. We might get a dollar or two on the racks for something that could get ten or twenty from the right buyer. I have a couple of guys who come through once in a while to see what we've got. Collectors? Abigail's heart sank. Ryan shook his head. Resellers, he said. These guys pay a pretty good dollar for this stuff, because they have customers who pay even more. And that's good for everybody, especially consolidated charities and the people we help. Abigail and Timothy exchanged a look. It's a pretty slow time of year, but I had one of my guys in the other day, Ryan said. He looked pretty happy when he left, and he donated more than a hundred dollars to get what he did. Timothy produced his pages of research from the internet, complete with pictures, and Ryan nodded grimly. Yeah, yeah, this all looks pretty familiar, I guess, he said. Look, he isn't going to just give anything back, but he's a pretty good guy. I can get you his number if you like. Abigail nodded and tried not to sigh, even a little. Thank you, sir, she said. That would be very helpful. Fifteen minutes later, they had spoken to the man at the Heroes of Yesterday Emporium, which was all the way out at Snyder Road, well out of bike-riding range. He confirmed that he had at least some of Jeremy's collection in the store, and while he wasn't about to just give them away, he did agree to hold on to them until the next morning. Abigail thanked the man and hung up, and then thanked the manager of the Smart Cell Superstore who had let her use the telephone. He wished them good luck, and several staff members waved and said the same as Abigail and Timothy left the store. I have a shift tomorrow morning, Timothy said. I don't know how we're going to get all the way out to Snyder Road anyway. Much as I hate to say it, Abigail said, I don't think my brother is going to give us a wad of cash this big for expenses. I think we're going to have to break Brannigan's golden rule. What's Brannigan's golden rule? Timothy asked. She had said this kind of thing before, but he always picked up his cues like a good sidekick. Never take the client out on the job, Abigail said grimly. I think my big brother and I are going toy shopping. Kids, this is Stinky the Elf coming to you from the North Pole. You know Santa Claus's workshop, right? 
Well, I've been asked to convey a special message to yous that my boss, Santa Claus, that's right, the jolly old fat guy in the red suit, wants to hear from all the little boys and girls out there. Here's an opportunity to tell him your Christmas list and any other special holiday message you got. And on Fridays, starting the day after Thanksgiving, my boss will read your message out loud on a new podcast called Santa's Inbox, exclusively on the Mutual Network. He'll mention your first name only, plus the town you're from, and then read your email out loud so everybody can hear it. Ain't that exciting? Yeah, Sandy told me that he used to read letters from kids on the radio back in the day, but I told him, I'm only 300 years old. I can't remember that far back. <laughs> okay, what else? Oh, yeah, this offer is open to anybody. Kids, grown-ups, the young at heart, anybody who wants to send a special message or a dedication to anybody else. So anyways, start sending Santa Claus your emails now to santas.xmas.inbox at gmail.com. That's S-A-N-T-A-S dot X-M-A-S dot I-N-B-O-X at gmail.com. Kids, please ask your folks to send your email for you.